Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. We are brought to you weekly by AllAccessMMA.com. Check out AllAccessMMA.com for our video podcast, your MMA stories and news. This week, we have the pleasure of welcoming back our BJJ guru from Florida, (laughs) the rhino, Ray Robles. Ray, what's up, brother? What is happening, guys? It is an honor. It's been way too long, and it's so good to be back on with you guys, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming and making time, man. I, what, I, like I was just telling you before we started recording, the thing that made me say to Matt, I was like, well, we got to get Ray back on. Because I don't know. I, I, I remember if you were breaking my balls or whatever it was when you were talking about, hey, because it was just before Nate Diaz's last contracted fight with the UFC. And I was yeah. like, I was supposed to talk to I mean, I texted one of his teammates, Jose Aguayo. And I was just like, after when we, after the fact with the ADCC trials, which was like the highlight of last weekend. If you're into martial, even if you're, even MMA people were tagging ADCC and using the hashtag, just because of how far that that particular brand of grappling has come. I was like, we got to have Ray back on because I mean, you're somebody that you know. You just told us you got done, finish uh, coaching your competition team over down there at six levels. Um, I mean. What's your what, what do you think about uh what did you think about Nate Diaz's last fight, man? I know you trained with the guy, so like it was awesome. Yeah, he, he was just in our gym not too long ago because uh one of his uh one of his training partners and his guy uh Chris Avila, who like fought mm-hmm. in the UFC, I think, a little bit and fought like Bellator and stuff. Chris uh fought a pro boxing fight in uh Tampa. And uh so he was in town, it was like literally like a last minute thing. You know, we sent out the buzz, he's like, Yo, Nate's in town. So we sent out a buzz and probably about a hundred people dropped in our gym, including uh uh Marina Schiffer, uh Shafir, who like like actually does more AEW wrestling now, but she was uh she fought she was one of Rhonda's training partners for a while. Like mm-hmm. she came down a batch of people are down there down there. We had a uh, Michael Carter Williams from the Magic, the Orlando Magic. Uh, he was down there, you know, in, at the seminar as well too with us. Oh, so wow. it, it was a good group of mix of people that came out there. And uh yeah, it, it was great to see Nate. Always a, always a pleasure to see Nate. He's such a great dude. But uh this past weekend, um yeah, the, the our coaching staff, everybody, we uh we went over to uh the uh, the sports pub next door from our gym and uh we watched Nate's fight and it was it was incredible. You know what? Honestly, like I, I like one of the things that we, I'm sure everybody joked about. I, I heard, I saw it online. I was cracking a joke. Like I was surprised genuinely that both fighters and in this breakout and the blood pouring out of their faces <laughs> during, during Bruce Buffer's announcement, because you know, both those guys bleed so easy. But yeah. one of the biggest things I, I know Nate took a lot of shots to the leg, like per typical Nate, like, you know, he, he was doing a phenomenal job checking him. And like, and when he, when he cut open a uh, Ferguson's leg, but one of the things about that fight that a lot of people really didn't mention is Nate's face at the end. He, he didn't take the amount of damage to his face that you customarily routinely see in any of his fights. Yeah. So I thought that was a phenomenal thing on his part that he went out there, you know, he, he fought a fight. He was, you know, uh, contract issues aside, I mean, with the UFC, I know it's a, it's a, it's a hot topic issue a lot of times, but you know, I'm really, I'm so happy for him. I thought he fought probably, you know, and obviously hasn't fought in a long time, but it was the best I think I've seen him fight in, in, in a couple of years since probably that first Connor fight, like, you know, like outright that he went out there and just did his job and, and, and did a great job in, in, in the match and, you know, phenomenal finish. And I think it was like textbook Nate, you know, like there's probably no better way to go out and clicking off the crowd. And it's like, yeah, like catching a, a submission to guillotine his, his favorite, guillotine by the way like like he taught that technique 
at the seminar and we asked him about it. And, and I've, I've taught that hmm. technique for several years. He taught that technique, how he sets it up and catches it. It's like one of his favorite things to do. And so, let me, I, I have a question about that actually, because I, I, from what I glanced, it looked like the same guillotine that Nick kind of did uh Nick Diaz did an instructional for. So does he use his fist instead of like, yeah. instead of the chin strap, does he use his fist? Yes, he makes a fist, and, and so yeah. I don't know if you can see my camera. Like, wait, wait, I'm gonna get into my camera. So he goes this way. He uses a fist, and like he like he like pushes the fist in. The way like it was great. So like Ed, every, if you know Ed, every Ed, Ed's a black belt as well too. So you know, so he like when he was teaching us like setting up from like a that a lot of times like that north south seat belt grip position, and like mm-hmm. you know guys are and you're kind of like fake, you know, bugging that darts, which you see Nate and Nick kind of like bug a lot in the past, you know, fake bugging that darts. And the guy extends the arm back to pull, like rather than get that separation, he pulls the arm back. Nate shoots the arm through, makes a fist and it pushes oh, the nice. fist into the neck. And he has that deep, and it is instantaneous. And the best part is, and he, and he, God, this is, this was prior to, yeah. you know, this was just after the, uh, the first Connor fight. So you saw it happen in that one in live in real time. He's like, the reason why he loves that is because either the guy sinks the head down and doesn't really move. If he catches like a guard position like that, mm-hmm. that Armin guillotine style, like he caught like, you know, uh, in that position with his, his leg position there. Um, if the guy doesn't move and he, he gets tapped there, if he does move, he rolls over like how Connor did. You roll him over into the mount, and then you roll right to the top mount position. So it is just like he's like he's called that shot. A lot of things that he's like, this is my favorite thing to do. Like when you go back and you watch his history of fights, you see mm-hmm. that he throws like like all the time. That's like his bread and butter with stuff. So I think it's phenomenal that he catches that. But yeah, it was, it was an absolutely incredible move. Like I said, it was great that he taught that because someone asked that. So we're going through it, and and him and and uh, um um uh, Randy, one of his other coaches there, and everyone. Like all the guys on the team, they were all going through it and like showing the technique. And sure as hell, he caught it in that fight. You know, <laughs> he dead to rights. It's like, oh, there's the Nate Diaz, uh, the uh, guillotine there. So it was pretty awesome. So yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't even jump into this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's like table of two right here with when we come to jiu jitsu. <laughs> um, when, uh, so from a novice, so like the fist in the throat thing is. I, when I think of that, like, isn't the Ezekiel choke kind of do that as well? Isn't like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that it's obviously, but isn't that what he kind of does? He folds his hands up under and, and mm-hmm. kind of drives the fist into the throat. There's a couple of other chokes that people like, you know, like in the key had like the nutcracker choke and something like that. They're, you're driving fists in there, but Ezekiel's a little bit more, you're supposed to use the blades sure. of your forearms chopping down in that direction. Um, yeah. This one is more, and I think the reason, and I, if I recall and, I'm not do not quote me a hundred percent on this, but I, next time I see Nate when he comes around, I'm going to ask him about it. But I believe the reason why he mentioned he likes utilizing the fist in that capacity is because of the MMA gloves. You know, yeah. whereas a lot of guys would go kind of like if you think about like the Marcelo team and some of those guillotine positions, like the hands get kind of jumbled up with the with the with the uh, with, with you know like when you with your grip positions, but with the glove, he kind of uses that to help drive it into the neck and that position, like fully wrapping the neck and driving that in there, really gets that pressure inside of it, which is you know which is awesome. And it's it's a it's I mean it is a legit like you know teaching. I've caught that a bunch. I mean it's a it's a phenomenal choke to catch. It's a great setup. Yeah. I mean yeah, it's just it's that you know, perfect Nate Diaz, long string arm, you know, finishing the choke, which is, you know, awesome. So, you know, good so, on Nate. Um, so the thing about that, the the closest comparison when I was talking about it afterwards with, with the guys that trained with uh, up here in Jersey, I said the closest comparison to the, the technique and at least the way that he does it 
Um, if you remember, I think his name was Cody McKenzie. He called it the McKenzie team. Yep. 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 I mean, he did it like with a hands praying thing and, and it's the pressure on the carotid that he used, but again, it's still with the glove. But when you look at the way that they do it, both Nate, Nate and Nick, um, I actually found the video again, so I can't play it on here because of the copyright nonsense, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you guys afterwards. So you could review it. It's around, it's halfway through, but I, I literally, when you watch the shot of him finishing the, cause of, I, you could see his fist come through. If you look at photos and stuff, or you watch the fight, you could see his fist come through to the other side of Tony's neck. And then because of like the ref running in or whatever, you don't really get to see him do the pressure in, in with the fist, which if you, if like, like uh, Ray was saying, it, it makes a complete circle. So you, you got the bicep or this part of your arm against the carotid and then all that other side with the, including the thickness of the glove and the fist on the other side. So it's a, it's a really clean blood choke, which is cool, which is what's, what's so cool about it is, and, and we talked about this afterwards, but you weren't here for it, Ray. I don't know if you listened to that episode, but we were talking about how quick Ferguson tapped number one, because he knew <laughs> he even told his own corner I'm not going to shoot him because he's going to choke me. He's going to catch me in that guillotine if I do that. But they kept on saying so. He, you know, he's trying to be coachable again. So he listened to them, and as soon as it happened, he called him in. And then even in the afterwards in the press conference, just a testament to what you said that he said at the seminar. He said he's like anybody shoots in on me, they're getting that choke. And it's just like, you know, there's moves in jujitsu that that people have that are their bread and butter. And yeah. like for me, for me, it's, it depends on what if it's gi no gi or whatever. But like. You know, I because I like using the gi to do the chokes and stuff, but um, that's obviously one of his. And and that's I mean that's a phenomenal point. Like you know, where a lot of people when you kind of the old school traditional guillotine, you're utilizing about two to three inches of your wrist bone in a person's trachea and pulling up on that. This this one is more almost think about it in the concept of like a rear naked choke, shooting the arm all the way around the neck. It's like a, a super deep guillotine. Mm-hmm. And like 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 Hoist teaches a version when you come over like Marcelo that Marcelo saw we keep the, the elbow up on the finish. So yeah. the person can go to defense and throwing the arm over the shoulder. So it eliminates that. But when Nate when that one pushing in it, it leaves like I said most people to alleviate the pressure, it's like you're either getting tapped or you're mm-hmm. rolling and getting mounted. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty. So once you get rolled and you get to that mount position, it's like it's it's awesome. Like, you know, either which way, like you saw with the in the Connor fight, or or like you saw in this one, you're either finishing the guy or they're gonna roll over and you know, you're gonna get top position and probably end up finishing the guy anyway. So yeah, it was a thing of beauty to see. So speaking of, of like things of beauty in, in jujitsu, I feel like this past weekend's um ADCC, I mean, I don't I don't remember if you're in, I mean, the mat too, because I know you, you you trained a little bit jujitsu back in the day, but like you, we years ago when we started, you heard about ADCC. It was kind of like a close knit thing. You would have to keep in, in uh, conversation with. Now, I mean, it's it's literally like trending on Twitter over the weekend that it happened. It's grown so much. I mean, and the thing in Vegas, I, I don't recall seeing anything as big or spectacular. Um, I mean, I, I just, I feel like the sport of grappling, whatever you, your submission style of choices has, has just hit a level that's, that's, I, I never thought it'd get here. Um, I mean, what, what, as somebody that coaches folks that compete, like how, how does it affect your, I don't want to say the business of like the influx of new students coming in, but like I, my classes, if, if there's 25 people in the class, that's a small class now compared to like five, six years ago. 
Yeah. So it's just like there's more people interested in grappling now. I I, th- I think that you know, looking at it solely from that aspect, where you know, it, it's it's hard. Like Brazilian, in, in my mindset, um, you know, and I talked to my coach about it, you know, not too long ago. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is one of those things where it has changed because it used to be that that weird kind of thing that. You know, you only first saw the first time when the skinny Brazilian in pajamas, you know, did some stuff in a cage. You're like, what the what? How is he beating giant men? So people got involved in that. And then it was, oh, well, you have to be really good with, you know, the, uh, the you know, the, the MMA fighters have to get good. You know, you have to have a ground game. And, and there was this kind of that that point in time where, you know, that was the driving force behind it. Um, but now you're looking at it where, you know, you have kids who are starting where like, Sports. I mean, you still have your your major sports, your basketball, baseball, soccer's, you know, football. You know, those are your major sports. You know, a lot of young ladies have gymnastics or competitive dance and cheerleading. You know, you you have these sport options where now you're looking at an art, a martial art that feasibly has a huge popular draw. Where you see and and it's and it's instant gratification in the sense of. If you are a hard training kid, and you notice in, in this past year's ADCC, and even it was it was a growing trend, you had a, a 17 and 19 year old kids out there beating adults and winning and being considered the best in the world, which is incredible. So now you look mm-hmm. at young kids saying, "Hey, you know what? I can actually do this as a sport if I dedicate my time and put my time into this. I can dedicate and 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 go out there and win and and be a kid at the next level. You know, these kids, their parents get them into in starting our class start at age of like five years old. We got like five-year-old kids out there training. Some of the kids on my competition team are seven, you know, trained, uh, competed for a year now. You know, I, I, we just had one of our kids on our team, um, uh, Cesar Reyes, is nine years old, 10 years old, I believe, nine, year, nine or 10, just won gold at kids' pants. I mean, it's a hard thing to do, go out some of the best kids in the world who are competing and, and doing this. You know, so we see this, this level of of execution from these young kids, like watching these young kids out there doing it. Now all of a sudden the art has become a bonafide thing for these kids to do. So they continue doing it. They don't have to, parents love it because you know what? I talked to a parent, like, I remember I'm like, Hey, you know, we're, we're competing a lot. Like how did, how does this feel for you? Like, you know, competing wise, like, is this a financial strain? Like I wonder, you know, as, as a parent and you know, as a person who's just concerned, like, Hey, is this, is this much to ask you guys once a month to go out there and compete and do things, yeah. whatever this is, if not more, and and the dad was like laughing at me. He's like, Ray, he's like, he used my son used to play football before, and my daughter is in competitive gymnastics. He's like, you know how much money we paid for uniforms, this travel ball, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff like that. And I was like, and when they told me the prices, I almost was like, yo, this isn't a money thing for me, but <laughs> charge more. You know, I need to get that football money, you know. So yeah. But it is a thing where now all of a sudden it has become a tangible art or a tangible sport for some of these young kids to continue going forward. And then if they continue, they're the next generation of greats moving forward. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. no shame in the game. I've seen some, like I said, there's obviously, like you look at kids who competed this past weekend, Colabade and the Rotola brothers, Ty and Kate. Yeah. And, and, and Mika Galvao and like all these young guys were out there doing it. Like you see this, this young generation, this young talent of like 17 to 21 year olds, Kennedy, Maciel, all these guys who are just beasts. I mean, and are going to be beasts for the next two decades, you know, I mean, if, if they just have that route. And so it's amazing to see. And, and the crazy part is in 10, 15 years, they're going to be getting bested by a bunch of kids who are 15, 16 as well too. Like it's changed to become a very amazing 
choice of an art where people can say, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to compete, I'm going to win a bunch, make my money doing that, sell DVDs and tutorials, open a gym, run my own squad, and now it continues growing and growing and growing. You know, so I think it's a phenomenal art, a phenomenal, like it, it has changed. And I love seeing like the, the influx of younger people and, and the, the rising popularity of, of the arts, you know, that now it's become like, like you said, it's, it's, you're, you're seeing, I, I saw, I think on Instagram, I think sports center or something like that, like, you know, posted a video clip of it. And I was like, that's great. You know, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, to me, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So I absolutely love seeing that. So the ADCC, I'm going to bring this back to kind of the old school days, kind of bring it into the MMA realm for, for my side here. But um, when I, as an old head who followed the early internet days of being able to follow the sport, there was two websites that I can really remember in my life, like going to for early news. Mm-hmm. One was tapout.com, which at the time was inyourface.com. And you would actually get news, <laughs> news through the tapout website. And the other one was adcombat.com. And that was ADCC. And it was even prior to the, them having their event. They had a website and you could find out about Valley Tudo news. Um, that's really, I think, where I read up on Randleman and Erickson and uh, and Vanderlei and those guys kind of breaking into the sport was through some articles through them. I think they might have had some small connection maybe to, uh, to uh, the uh, the fighter one. Uh, I can't even. Yes. SC Fighter. Yeah, that was when I was on. SCFighter.com. Yeah. And so. I just realized actually that I have like the original ADCC, their, their first event, 2000. I have the program. I have a mid condition program. And when you go through it, um, I think it was it's a free gift when I ordered a shoot. Full contact <laughs> fighter was another site that, that had the, the, the a lot of the Midwest uh, MMA news back in the day. That's another one I was trying to think of. Um, but the original events for ADCC were dudes. It was like Mark Kerr, uh, uh, Rico Rodriguez, uh, Jeff Monson, um, you obviously had this, there was the weight classes. You even had guys like Henzo Gracie, Matt Hughes, uh, Tito Ortiz, um, you know, and then the Machados, Laborio, yeah. all those guys. So, and then, and it was big back then, but you didn't really have access to be able to see it. And it was something where like, you would hear about these credentials about, you know, Kerr winning it, the absolute and, and stuff like that. But you, you know, you didn't have the, they didn't have the streams that a normal person could really get their hands on and stuff and then grappling kind of faded away as mma i I feel like grappling kind of stepped back a little bit as mma be kind of exploded on the scene and then you know come the ebi time and metamoris um even though they turned out to be kind of a a joke of a organization that they really kind of helped bring it back to the the forefront and then adcc seems to have just taken it over the last couple years and then basically put on like a pride style event this year uh Mm -hmm. for grappling and, um, you know, Ed talks about it. He's never seen anything like it. I mean, it goes back. You got the stage. It goes back to the K1 days. It goes back to the Pride. It goes back to the UFC where they had that run, where they had this, the, the uh, ramp and stuff like that. It, it's if you're not if you can't sell out an arena of 20,000 people, that's what the fans want. To see. That's what you, that's the setup you want to have to get a fan like me, because I turned it on and I heard I heard Lena Hart uh, doing the announcements. And it's like. Even though I'm fairly unaware with most of the majority of these guys, it didn't even matter. I was like instantly into the event. Mm. You know, you got fireworks going off. You got fire going. I mean, it was just it's just awesome. And I I hope that that's the future. I hope it was successful through their their streaming service. I hope uh, Flow uh, Combat did okay bringing in. I'd like they obviously would be ideal to get on another platform, maybe fight something else where we can get a little bit more 
uh, knowledge or not knowledge, but uh, uh, exposure, access. Yeah. exposure and <laughs> access. Um, but um, you know, I don't really have a question off of it. I guess my question would be going back. You got the courage. You have a lot of the great MMA fighters who had their their time in it. Uh, the, the dude now, Gordon Ryan, who I covered at EBI eight, um, when he won the tournament there, I believe it was middleweight tournament that night. And he was kind of just like this new dude on the scene at the time who was like really good since then. And I know we've talked about him a couple other times. Is he, I mean, where does he start? Where's he at now on the all time jujitsu ranks? I know he's not Brazilian. So obviously there could be some bias depending on who you talk to in the sport, but where is he ranking right now? I mean, he just, he seems unbeatable and does stuff at a level that even as a novice jujitsu guy like me just seems like it's so over the top that I, when I see guys like you impressed with him, it just blows my mind. Cause I'm going, how good is this guy? <laughs> I, um, I, that's a great question. I, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, quick e, uh, ABCC history lesson. It started out in the Abu Dhabi Combat Club, you know, because the uh, sheiks out there in, in, in Abu Dhabi, they wanted to see who the best fighters are. They invited, like, the Gracies and the Machados to teach jiu-jitsu, and they were like, oh, well, we want to see who's, like, the best on the planet. And that's where that whole thing started, and which has been phenomenal. Now it's grown from – I think it was uh, – Flow grappling with jujitsu times. Somebody on Instagram posted a picture of the first ADCC, and it was like this small little arena with like a bunch of sheeps watching guys. And then, and now, which turned into a massive event. And like credit to Seth Daniels and those guys, and Seth Daniels for Fight to Win, and those guys who helped really produce the show. I know there was one point where I was talking to him about getting involved in some of the production aspects of it, which unfortunately wasn't able to to work out, you know, in that sense. But um, but they did put on a great show, and and they did it in a way that, like they said, I mean, they sold out the Thomas and Max Center, which is, you know, out there in, in, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, and I was in Las Vegas this weekend doing another show, a music festival there. But so I, I was watching a lot of the fighters and the content and it was like this driving down like the strip and seeing like, you know, like the billboards for this, this event, you know, it was like, wow, it, it, it was just, it was being promoted as big in certain areas as Canelo triple G. That was also the same weekend and the music festival. <laughs> wow. You start seeing like, and, and then they're also having advertisements for upcoming UFC events. And I'm like, wow, it's, it's, it's in the mix. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that small. So the fact that they went out there and they did it was absolutely incredible. I think, like I said, with, with a lot of the production they put inside of it, I, I too would like to see, um, you know, that was like their biggest thing they've ever done. I, I definitely, you know, coming from that 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 other part of my, my life, being involved in live production and, and you know uh, you know event production, entertainment event production, and stuff like that um, for live events and concerts, I definitely know that in my mind there's a, there's a mindset I'm like oh there's there are things I would like to see and, and do a little bit differently, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 set a great blueprint for if you're going to do a mega event that happens every two years, you mm-hmm. know this. Phenomenal way to do it, you know, and I think it's a uh, it's absolutely incredible for it. It took place in Vegas in a good fight town, you know, for that to happen there. So I would absolutely love it. Um, Gordon Ryan, Gordon Ryan's an interesting topic because he's he's a little bit hot button. Yeah, you 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 can't. I will say this: you cannot argue his success. He has been successful, and 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 by far, I think in this current generation of grapplers of no gi submission grapplers, because Gordon doesn't compete in a gi, which is why he gets a lot of pushback from like a lot of traditionalists who like, well, he doesn't go out and ever compete in a gi. So you only see him in one aspect. So um, in this generation of no gi grapplers, he's by far the greatest, like by far the greatest, you know, Um, you go back 10 years, like, you know, it's, 
we historic and, and this is sometimes I always <laughs> it's always like and head over it's always like white belts and blue belts that have this like oh definitive opinion and he's the greatest of all time and we're like you guys don't know Hodger Gracie you know Hodger Gracie won the ADCC a bunch submitted everybody and also won the IBJJF Worlds a bunch in the gi submitting everybody and so you start looking at it like when you have a person who could do it in multiple avenues and and, mm-hmm. and it's really hard and, and to be honest if like a lot of times when you get people competitively in jujitsu you get to a level where you have to make a choice are you going to continue doing gi events or no gi events are you continuing to work in, in a rule set for IBJJF and maybe with points? Are you going to be involved in the, the no-gi submission-only style events? Are you going to be involved in the ADCC rule set events? Like there's different rules that you have to, just like just like if you're like, uh, oh, I box, but I also train MMA. There's a different stance in, in how you're, you're striking because you have to worry about takedowns and kicks. You know, it's the same thing in jiu-jitsu. There's a lot of a lot of crossover between the techniques, but there are also specifics that will bring you to levels of, of success that right now Gordon is killing it. Um, do I think he's the greatest of all time? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm pushing back on that because again, the more you look at it, there's always, you know, it's hard to say right now. And, and, and it's hard to, t- it's hard to tell me that a 17 year old Mika Galvao who made it to the, the finals of loss or a 19 year old Cade Rutolo or his brother Ty Rutolo who are tapping out legit beast multi-time champion black belts and winning in the IBJ Jeffs and the Gi and then doing this stuff and winning gold in, 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 no, in, in ADCC. It's hard to tell me in 10 years that those guys won't go on a run that'll make you be like Gordon who, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's so it's hard to say that, you know, one person definitively is the greatest of all time. I would have loved to seen prime Hodger versus versus you know, Gordon Ryan. I would love to have seen a, a, a prime, you know, uh, Jacare or, or, you know, Adolfo Vieira, you know, certain guys had certain styles of games. I would have loved to have seen how he would have dealt with the pressure of a guy like Ricardo Arona or, mm-hmm. or a Mark Purr or something like that. You know, there's a lot of big beastly grapplers in those days that would have, I think, given him fits in certain levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that and that's and that's fair, especially the gee thing. But I, we, it's fair to say he's easily one of the top ten grapp- oh, probably absolutely. grapplers of all time. Yeah. I mean, we're, we we put in him a tournament where the ultimate ultimate of of grappling tournaments, yes. and he's he's one of and the he, top seeds there. And he might end up on top two. Listen, he really might be at this point. He might be like he's clicking on all cylinders. Like I said, I got to respect the technique. He's done a lot of phenomenal stuff. I mean, you you, you there was a lot of good things he did in his grappling he was patient he was meticulous you know i mean he was like and, and i don't like to nitpick because anybody can play monday morning quarterback you know you know uh, uh, certain things and stuff like that uh, technique wise but i think against the caliber of opponents he was facing he did phenomenal and i think he absolutely like he, he arguably is one of the greatest that we've seen like you've not seen a person on such a dominant run against dominant people that he's been on as he is right now which is phenomenal which i think is absolutely incredible so i gotta give i give credit in that sense um, the other side of him, and I'm not getting too controversial and stuff like that. The one of the things that I think where sometimes he kind of fails the sport a little bit is submission grappling. This level is just just now hitting the precipice of like really big mainstream popularity. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at other sports, even in its dark days or whatever, like that, even MMA. If you go back to MMA, you, you, when you saw Hoist win, like I would say, like when Chuck Liddell won. And he won. Chuck was charismatic. Not charismatic. He was kind of like, but he was, but he was likable. People liked Chuck, mm-hmm. you know, and people liked him and stuff like that. And that's the thing where, where I think when you hit that precipice of saying like, we're, we just, we're here, we're now, we're doing this thing. You have to have that likable person before you start coming out with the unlikable kind of thing. And I think Gordon chooses to play a little 
controversial at times, which yeah. I think negates. And it, it, he, I mean, he has alienated a lot of the Brazilian community with some negative comments and stuff like that. He has alienated. He's a little bit, I, I've always looked at it like, you know, and, and Matt, I know we, we've talked like basketball, football, we talk we, all kinds of sports between us three. Like, you know, we've always talked about it. We've always talked about like the greatest of all time, the greatest of all time. And one of the things I've always noticed about any of the considered greatest of all times, they never had to walk around and say that they're the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew yo, this guy's the greatest of all time. And because yeah. of that, that's the way I've always felt about like that. And when you see like Gordon online, kind of like going back and forth with fans and, and like, I, I hate using the, the, the phrase, like kind of trying to like be the Conor McGregor almost in a sense of, of jujitsu. It, it's almost like, man, too soon. Like, like come out mm-hmm. as the nice guy, the like, like the, the ambassador for the sport that now you're breaking into the mainstream. And then maybe in, you know, a few years or more people are like, wow, we want to see every event look like that ADCC did, Uh then you could be be the controversial figure out, you know, like, you know, be the Connor and walk through the strut and be like, I am the king, you know? I mean, you know, so that's, that's kind of two sides of a coin. But like I said, much respect to his success. I, I, you can't discount it. You can't look at him and be like, Oh, whatever. He, he tapped out Galvao. I haven't seen that. You know, he, I mean, there's, there's a lot of phenomenal things that that young guy's done and, you know, all the best, you know, but you know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, there's the, the I have a question written down here. I mean, uh, Gordon Ryan was one of them. So th- Matt Matt already uh, asked you, so I won't spend any more time on that. But one of the things, um, let me cross that off so I don't bring it back up. But uh, just as somebody that's kind of like a, uh, I mean, because I think you got your your black belt a couple years before I did. Um, so I kind of put you in the same category as as like like uh, my initial my initial. Well, I mean, you coach a competition team and stuff like that. But like my initial draw into martial arts in general, because I did a little, you know, striking arts, and then I got into jujitsu like in my late twenties. Um, it was always at the end of the day because yes, you can compete and do all these other things, but you know when you get <laughs> to the age that, that I'm at now, um, it's 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 strictly for self defense in case I need to protect myself, my family, people I care about. Um, do you think, uh, I mean, because like you hear guys like Hickson talk about it and stuff too, like the sport jujitsu is, is kind of like uh, fading out the self-defense aspect. I know those guys like the Valenti brothers and stuff like that that still try to focus on self-defense and guys like like Hickson and his son. And, you know, so we got we have a Crone Gracie guy that just joined my gym. And uh, talking, having these conversations with him, it kind of made me want to ask you this tonight. Like, like, do you think, uh, do you see that happening when, when, when you get questions from students in your school, like, Hey, how do I do the, the, you know, fucking honey hole and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta worry about just handling yourself in general first before you start doing fancy shit. Dude, everything starts with the basics. Everything starts with the basics and stuff like that. Like, um, it's funny. I had a kid in in our, the teens class, like started like, Three weeks ago, he's like, Coach, are you going to teach us the buggy choke? I'm like, Stay off Instagram, bro. Stay off YouTube. That's not <laughs> you, a YouTube you guy, you know. But, um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, like, like I, I, I actually, it's funny. I was literally just talking about this with guys at my gym last night. Um, I think jujitsu for me, like, you know, it's very funny, like, that you see, you see every, a lot of like people, like, every, everybody has like a triangle analogy for jujitsu. You see in a lot of schools, it's kind of the logo. And I really mm-hmm. actually feel like that is kind of a perfect, you know, uh, representation of what jujitsu has to be, because I think it does, 
you know, break down into three ele elements and levels. I think, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, like when you look at it, it it's you, you have to train the self-defense aspect because it does protect you. I mean, that's the part like if somebody grabs you and grab, you know, you know, like tries to accost you in that sense, you have to train that system. I, I teach it a lot. It's one of my favorite curriculums to teach going through through Ella Gracie's, you know, like, you know, the whole self-defense curriculum. I love that. That's like one of, you know, the bread and butter. I'm very fortunate. Like my coach, John Burke, who you guys had on the show, you know, he's hoist his first black belt. I mean, you know, hoist and you know, drilled into him about learning the self-defense system. And when I was, you know, going out for my black belt, we were, me and my teammates, like, uh, Baron uh, Pitts and Ryan Keenan were going out to get our black belts in 2014. Like for six months, we were like drilling that curriculum backwards and forth. Like it's, it's burned into my brain, mm -hmm. like how that, that, that curriculum works. I love teaching it and I see the practicality of it. Now there's certain elements of the, the, the way attacks happen now that are different, but there are certain basic elements. People still grab headlocks. People still realize that a person hits harder. So they're going to try to tackle you. So like a lot of that, you know, the, 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 the self-defense system works, you know, um, that said, like that's one aspect of jujitsu. The second aspect I do believe is um, a competitive sense of jujitsu. Like, you know, when you get people at the gym, like you can't have everybody train, come to the gym and all we're going to do is get in basically fake fights all day and you're going to like defend yourself from that kind of stuff like that. Great. If, if, if I, and my personal take is if I'm only focusing on the, the, the self-defense system, then why am I teaching you how to pass a guard? Mm -hmm. because who the hell is pulling guard in your street that you can't just pick them up and give them the old rampage arona or grab mm -hmm. a brick and beat their head into opening their guard guards <laughs> yeah, yeah. like you know like who's doing that so if i'm teaching you how to defend these submissions like arm bars and and and, and person pulls guard and doing stuff like that if i'm doing that that comes to a certain element of competitive nature of jujitsu so then you have to be aware of that as well too and say okay cool this is this is something we're having fun we're grappling we're training maybe i want to compete as a obvious or maybe make it an endeavor of my life mm -hmm. you know i want to go out there and do that this is a thing so we have to feed into that element as well too because that's a whole different mindset than you know the the, the self-defense system again there's like we mentioned earlier there are you know arcing elements that will do both but that's there the third aspect for me i believe is is you know and in self-defense i also in include like you know weapon retention like training mm -hmm. like law enforcement officials or, 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 you know, or armed forces or, you know, anything like that. I think that there's a whole element of that aspect that's involved in, in self-defense as well. You have sport, which is like competitive jujitsu and a gi where no striking is involved. And then you have the other element, which is MMA grappling, which mm -hmm. is a very different concept. I mean, we've seen jujitsu world champions. You hear all oh, guys are jujitsu world champion and try to go out there and play that game like they would in a tournament and cats mm -hmm. like seven shots to the face. Cause they're not understanding the, the punching aspect of it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're a skilled striker throwing punches. So you have to make sure you're defending yourself in that aspect. So I believe that when you look at MMA jujitsu, you look at like self-defense, you know, combatives jujitsu, and you look at competitive jujitsu, you have three elements that are there to train. And, and the big key is like, you got to learn them all. You got to learn them all. But if you're in your gym, you're training, you're having fun, you're competing against your buddies there, or you're saying, hey, I want to go out and do a tournament, you know, then you got to be able to, you know, understand what you're doing in, in that aspect. Uh, you know, you got to learn how to train yourself and defend yourself. And if you are, you know, doing MMA or even involved with people throwing strikes, which kind of falls under that self-defense umbrella a little bit too, you got to understand how to deal with that and how do you set yourself up and protecting yourself in that aspect as well too. So I think it's it's critical, mission critical for your jiu-jitsu success to do all three. You know, that's the way I look at it. So, I mean, and I, I'm, I, I know that there's other people might disagree with that, but I firmly feel that you have to have all three elements to be successful. Yeah.
know. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to mention really quick was just because you were talking about like Gordon Ryan and, and, and the bad boy. I feel like the the guy that's the polar opposite of him, the guy that I like to watch as far as competitive grappling, um, he's signed with one. He's actually competing uh, at the end of this month. One championship is uh, the, the young fella, Mikey. Mickey, the match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he, he's, he's like, to me, like, I, I, I'd, I'd rather he become as popular. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it's going to happen because he'll prove it in the cage that he's still, he's just as good and entertaining to watch compete, but he's also a very good ambassador for the martial art. A very so. nice, humble, nerdy kind of guy. By the way, like not to completely pivot off, I love 1FC. To me personally, 1FC right. is by far, hands down, the best MMA organization in my opinion. I love that they do the kickboxing stuff. Yeah. I, love the, I love they do Muay Thai fights. I love that they do have great MMA fights. At that Demetrius Johnson fight the other day was phenomenal. And I love that they do the grappling inside there. So that is, you know, 1FC is definitely like the right you know, I know Nate said, you know, that he was looking to do kind of something similar along those lines to kind of mix it up and, and get an adventure that way. And I really hope he does because I think I hope so be, too. Oh, that's gonna be incredible to see this mix mixed venue, mixed joint things. Kind of like old old pride used to do that too in the original. But, yeah, because uh, we know he likes boxing. Like he's got he's got the, the the great boxing coach at his gym. Um he said it was gonna be because I got the press release for it when they announced it, the real fight, real fight incorporated. Um, I mean they said the focus was gonna be jiu-jitsu boxing and mma and i think kickboxing was in there too so it sounds like the one one championship mix and i will one fc we call it one fc because that's what they're called when they first came on and they switched to one championship for folks so they know we're, we're talking about the same thing but um i i mean all three of us i mean matt and i i mean we're we're we're, we're you know fight junkies too so if you bring yeah. us all the fights in one place you know that's that, that's where we'll be at right Hear me, hear me out on this for Nate Diaz, and it's based off some news we also learned yesterday. I'm not saying a long-term contract, but we know that uh, Scott Coker and the Diaz, especially Nick, have a great relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. We we learned yesterday that Eddie Alvarez is out of his contract in one. One-off fight, San Jose, <laughs> Shark Tank, Diaz against the underground king Eddie Alvarez. Mm. Tell me that. Tell me Bellator doesn't sell out that arena and and could put that on pay per view. I, I mean, that to me is like the fight that that you and Bellator three hundred is not that far around the corner. Maybe yeah. they do a couple things and you do Bellator three hundred Diaz versus Alvarez. I mean that that sounds like a in San Jose. I've been to that arena for other semi-local fighters and they just pop yeah. off like crazy that it, it, Diaz would have that place exploding. But mm -hmm. let me ask you a question. Is, is Eddie still at 55? Because I don't, Nate's not going down there. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, let's do it at 165. Do 162. It's Bellator. We can do it. Heck, Eddie can go up to 170. I, I'm just saying for a payday and aim wise uh, of available guys for him to fight in MMA. If he decides to go do at boxing, I mean, I don't, you know, I, he mentioned something like Connor, you know, May, Mayweather Diaz, it sells. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. care what you talk. I mean, and especially you put if, any big names. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's going to sell, especially I mean, to today's fan base. Yeah. And yeah. Is, you know, and, and it's, it's money makers, but for an MMA with who's available, short of him going and, and, and trying to run and one, I don't necessarily see Nate doing that. That seems, he, he seems like he would stay more 
in the United States. Maybe it's just my perspective. Mm. But um, but Alvarez, I mean, I just look at it and go, because Coker's got relationships with both of those guys. Yeah. I'd go, let's make money. Let's sell out that arena. I mean, how about New Year's Eve? You know, maybe I don't know, but I it just Cro- it, my the, mind the those- cross promote they they got that thing in December with Ryzen. I mean, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, and you know. we know, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. But I mean, that's just, uh, that's I mean, that's of course that's our uh, again fight junkies over here. So yeah, so- no, that, that was just that was just my <laughs> hey, my here no, I, 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 I love the uh, the, the concept. I think, I think it would be a great concept. So yeah, I love that. It'd be a killer. I'm pretty sure if Alvarez is going to wind up in the PFL though. If, I, there's yeah. there's probably a good chance yeah. it's it's semi local. These yeah. events are semi local yeah. to to him too, and and that makes the most sense. But uh, one of the other reasons we uh, or one of the other topics we were going to talk about um, possible retirement, but the end of uh, what looks like Jose Aldo in the UFC. Um, somebody who uh, I mean, just a true. We talk, you know, you talk about guys carrying torches in their sports and, and had doing all the right things. I, you know, I'll punch you in the face if I, if you say something bad about Jose Aldo, I mean, is there, is there, I mean, seriously, like, is there anything bad about to say about the guy? Not only is he one of the greatest fighters of all times, always seemed happy, always seemed joyful. Haven't heard any fan, you know, as being somebody who, who, you know, is around the fighters as a fan a lot, never heard anybody ever say a bad word about ever any kind of interaction with the guy, uh, put on some of the greatest fights that we've ever seen. Um, always show, you know, Showed up most of the time. I I, I want to slap him a little bit for missing the the original McGregor fight because it threw off my schedule a little bit uh, with with some over the top stuff in my life. But uh, um, I mean, what a, what a fighter, what a person. I mean, one ahead. of the groups, one of the great. I mean, I, I, like Jose has been amazing. You know, I mean, like you said, he he really is a class act. Like you know, that's one of the things where you know uh, I. Yeah, I, I I hated he he was such a classic like and especially again fight junkies his run in WEC oh my god the way he took out like Uriah Faber's legs with those kicks and like that his run in in WEC was just incredible like he he was just a a beast I mean he was he's a he's one of the greatest to ever ever you know you know strap, put those gloves on and go out there and do it you know I I, I hated. I'm not a fan of the UFC marketing machine because I feel like, especially in that Connor fight, there was so much negativity and like, you know, and, and then when you, when you start getting like the, the, the newer fans who are kind of like, Oh, he's not that great. And like, dude, this guy's a, like, like, this guy's amazing. Like he like watching the stuff he did was just like, like, I, yeah, his fights where he was off, he was off in certain aspects. I think like he had the issues with the weight cutting and like cutting and like trying to find a, a weight class that he felt good at and stuff like that. But I mean, arguably, gosh, I, like the amount of super fights that we were, everybody was like, oh, him versus him versus uh, 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 BJ Penn or him versus like 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 they they put that put Jose Aldo against every top fighter you could think of because he was that guy. I mean, yeah. he was that guy for a long time. He was just of beats like there's nowhere you were beating that guy you know and 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 i love that i love that he was a dominant fighter for so long and you know still puts on he still put on competitive fights and yeah he's probably i i'm I'm glad i'm happy if he walks away because he's had a good long career and and i don't Mm -hmm. think he needs to prove anything to anybody i know i don't know fighters get in that concept where sometimes they like you know it's themselves that they're like no i still got it in me you know but i mean i thought he was a great like champion for novo and yao i thought he was a great like you know uh uh, uh 
yeah, he's a great ambassador for the sport. You know, I thought he was a good dude. So, like, you know, I, I think about those back in days. Prime Jose Aldo, you, you couldn't find a more exciting fighter. You know, yeah. so it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, the the thing about um that whole thing with Jose Aldo, or Jose Aldo uh, just kind of, like, walking away or making the decision with the one fight left and everything they were saying, like, um, I'm trying to see if I can find the picture, but but uh, oh, here it is. Um, if you look at this picture, it looks like the being becoming a dad had a lot to do with the decision. I'm going to share it just for the folks that watch the video version of this. Um, because the look on his face, like when I saw that, I was just like, I hope he does what he can gets to do whatever he wants to do in his life. Um, let me just bring it up because it's it's a, it's a great photo. You can see the emotion of him uh becoming a new dad. Right here. I mean, just just look at it. The, 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 it he's filled with like joy yeah. in that in that photo. Um, just becoming a dad. I mean, something obviously hit him to make him say, um, you know, like, hey, I'm I'm I got to do this now. I, I'm 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 done with the fighting. I got to do this now. So yeah. I don't know. I thought that was. <clears throat> I just thought you could, I mean, you could almost see a little bit more fear in his eyes than that picture, <laughs> than, in, than in any of his other MMA fights. But obviously, like a fear of like mm-hmm. I need to protect this, you know, with my life yeah. as opposed to I need to protect myself. I got I had the pleasure of getting to watch him fight a few times. I did see him in WEC, uh, knocked out uh, Rolando uh, Perez in, in WC. 38 i believe i got to see him fight frankie edgar at 200 actually where i met ed um and i got to fight him fight marlon marias uh, where he lost a close uh you know a close a close decision uh, i think it was even a split decision at the time but um yeah i mean you know my my thing with him is ed and i talk about like how fighters often need to taste their own blood and then when they come back from that that's when you really learn who like the mm-hmm. the legit badasses are there's a lot mm-hmm. of great fighters. There's a lot of like front runners that'll just run, you know, a lot of people kind of use that argument with Khabib a little bit, you know, he, it's, you know, it's easy to dominate. Um, and, and for, uh, Aldo, he did, he dominated, he was Khabib for a, you know, eight year span at, at featherweight. Basically he did it with a violence though. That was, that was different than, than a lot of the guys, especially the smaller fighters during that era. Um, and there, and the smaller fighters didn't get a lot of respect. There was no, there was no 145 pound division in the UFC. Um, there was no 150 pound pound division for several years after they dissolved it after BJ Penn's original run. Um, so the smaller fighters really had to fight for that respect, and he was able to headline a WEC pay per view against Faber. Now, now Faber even might have arguably been the A side on that by name at the time, and and fans like to disrespect Faber, but go back and look at his Gladiator Challenge. Yeah. All his yeah. early stuff, the dude was like world class when you could be world class fighting all around this planet on Indian reservations. There was no real group of the greatest fighters, which we're closer to having now. Um, yeah. But the way he bounced back now, now he had some downs uh, after the, the the McGregor fight. He didn't he, he you know, he was essentially 500 after that, but he fought all the best guys. And the fact that he was able to rebound from that and get back to the point where he was like title contender again um, <clears throat> is says so much to me more than anything, because he could have walked away at 30 years old. He could have walked away at 29. And, and even after the McGregor fight, he could have walked away after the McGregor fight. The new fans for a year would have given him shit, but when it was the history books were written, he would have went down as probably the greatest featherweight of all time. He came back, put that on the line, dropped down weight, and fought a who's who. Even fights he really probably shouldn't have had. Maybe shouldn't have fought Peter Yan. 
especially, you know, at the time, you know, um, but he always challenged himself and he, and he, and he came out 50, 50 towards the end. And that's, and that's, to me, that's, that's what I'll remember him is like, dude, you took like one of the hardest losses in the, at like the most explosive UFC event almost ever at, at all time. I mean, the most eyes on the sport ever. And you took one of the worst losses really in the sport and you bounced back and you were still a champion. And to me, that's like, that's what all this is all about. Like it, it wins losses, the way he was able to rebound and, and end his career, um, assuming it's over. And if it's not, it's going to be something big for him. He's not going to go do something stupid. I mean, if Triller wants to pay him $20 million to get into a ring, <laughs> go take the, go take the, the Brinks truck, you know, but yeah. um, I, I mean, as far as an MMA fighter, and again, uh, you know, he was one of the guys who got me to go like, yeah, these small guys are freaking awesome. You know, it took me a while with the 125s. I was always like the 135, 145. TJ Dillashaw's another one. I know once he's kind of started going uh, after his little Burrell run, he really got me going with the featherweights again. But, um, but I mean, all those, all those on, you know, I don't want to say the Mount Rushmore because that's four guys. But if Mount Rushmore was eight guys, Jose Aldo's on that, on that mountain. <laughs> You know, the greatest thing about him, even toward the end of that little run in the UFC here, is is the fact that he was never anybody's easy fight. You know, there were times when you were starting to watch other fighters and you know that they were completely on the downside of their career. And you're like, oh, God, so-and-so is fighting again. Jesus, this is – all right, we're not, we're not going to – we're not going to allow this to be a thing and stuff like that. We're not going to get our hopes up, you know, fanboy for a guy that we loved before. Like when Chuck Liddell was fighting toward the end or when you you get BJ Penn, these guys, you're like, Oh, why are they still fighting? Jose Aldo, even toward the end, you're like, yo, don't sleep on him. He might, he might win this fight. He might be the guy. Like he was, he was always dangerous. Like he he never, he never, that's one of the things, even even after losing to Connor, he never, no one ever thought he was less dangerous, you know, and I think that's the best thing about him. I think it's like, you know, when you look at that, you're like, yeah, this guy's definitively a, 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 a problem. He's a menace for people out there. So I, you know, I'm hoping like, you know, you know, yeah, fatherhood and, and parenthood brings a different perspective to certain things. So I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that maybe he's, he slows it down, but you know, I also, if he wants to get out there and, and you know, beat up a Paul brother or something like that. I'm good with it. You know? so, mm-hmm. yeah. But so, I mean, this is like, talking about Jose, Jose Aldo is a perfect uh, example of uh, the guards changing in sports, especially when sports are relatively sort of new, which it, when I'm saying sort of new, I'm talking about like 20, 30 years old. Yeah. Um, goes back to like you told when we were talking about Gordon Ryan, how great he is now. You know, when I started, we talked the way that people are talking about, Gordon Ryan, Gary Tony, and all these guys. When I started jujitsu, that's how they were talking about Marcelo Garcia and Jacare mm-hmm. Souza before he started MMA. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be a guy. So, like, like it just changes. Yeah. It's it, just, it, uh, it, yeah. And actually, you brought up a great name right there because, like, you know, Gary Tonin. You know, Gary mm-hmm. Tonin when he was when he was he was the king of jujitsu. He was like mm-hmm. Gordon's teacher, and he was there, and he was the, the guy at DDS. I mean, when that DDS squad was running, now they're like mm-hmm. Team New Wave or whatever it is, and there's, there's a split with the B team. But yeah. when, when 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 it was Gary Tonin, he was the dude who was winning everything. And now you see him go on a bad run in jujitsu. Like he got what he got put out by uh, when the Rosella brothers has beat him in 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 one FC, and he got knocked out in in, in one championship. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that FC championship thing. And yeah. He went out yeah, that's what you're talking about, self-defense. That Tan Lei yeah. just 
Of like yeah. one leg lock defense, he just swung away. Yeah. Yeah. You, lost, you lost first round of the uh, the against that the Irish cat over here in uh, in uh, in ADCC this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Sam Neal, whatever, like McNeil, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, like you know, you look at guys like that. It's like whoever you think is the goat. Next thing you know, you know, got cooked. You know, yeah. so you, there's always a person who's going to do that. There's always a changing of the guard, like you said. We see it in MMA quite a bit. I think it's I think it's more in MMA than like in jiu-jitsu. It's it's more sadder because like that usually means a guy that you like you know just yeah. love you know like I, I went on a rabbit hole a couple of weeks ago watching old Mike Tyson boxing matches. Oh my and god! In the first those first twenty twenty five matches, like yo, I mean it was just a thing of beauty. It was surgical. And then when you start ones yeah. at the end, you're like, oh god, it's just like, like, how did you lose to that guy? You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's really a that, that's a fun rabbit hole to go down though, because like I remember with my ex, like she, she was a couple years younger than me, so she was, it didn't follow combat sports at all until she met me. She's like, why is Mike Tyson such a big deal? And I just looked at her, I was like, what do you mean? Because she had never, <laughs> she had never seen anything, and I was, I just showed her highlights. I, I was like, to this day. Like I don't see knockouts in boxing, especially where people are sent to another like realm of, <laughs> of yeah, yeah. Like like Mike Tyson when he and he was in his prime knocking people and people away, he literally sent people into other like dimensions when he knocked them out and they woke up and wondered what happened to them. You know, like yeah, I don't see that anymore. You don't see that in boxing now anyway. Yeah, he'd, he'd hit him with like the full force of his body. I mean, you've got good punchers like Wilder and some of these. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of these guys can put people down hard, but it's like you know, it's like Tyson used to rev up and just just rip people's heads off. But anything once you get past, once you get to the Bruce Seldon, the Buster Mathis Juniors, mm-hmm. the the the, uh, the Peter McNeely's. It, it, that's that yeah that you might as well turn off. That's BJ Penn versus uh you know yeah I mean I, after that, kind yeah. of shit. Yeah, after the, the the Holyfield fight from Holyfield, after that, you're yeah. like, oh god, it becomes it becomes hard to watch. I mean, he's got those wins, but you're like, yeah. And then, then his rise is something, man. I mean, when yeah. you look at those finishes, I mean, the, the, talking about that rabbit, like I said, it's a fun rabbit hole because I I still to this day, I'll, I'll, if I'm bored, I'm like, let me look at look at some Mike Mike Tyson finish. If I see his name yeah. trending, I'll go back and look at some of his finishes, and I'm just like, man, in his prime, that dude was just something yeah. like. It's too bad that uh, there's no one else like that. <laughs> That's the thing, but like you see, we like you said, like you know, with with, a, with Jose Aldo, like you know, even even toward the end of his career, like yeah, he's five hundred. I think he, like right, he's like a five hundred fighter, but he was always like no one, no one ever thought like this was this is an easy out. This is mm-hmm. you're gonna see, you're gonna go. This is marching out the old name for the the new young line to take out because Jose would you know put it on you, and next thing you're like, all right, well, <laughs> sorry, young dude, you know. So I feel like uh like you know that was a a big thing for you know for him being that competitive even to the end, you know. But um yeah, that's uh that's crazy. <laughs> It is crazy, but uh, I mean, I don't have any other questions. I mean, we're we're, we're about to hit like a, the hour mark, so um, and Ray, man, it, it's always good to to talk to you. So um, good. We 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 gotta definitely make this more frequent, especially when grappling heavy things happen, like the ADCC. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Two years next year, they're going into the trials again, and then and then they'll go out there. But uh, yeah, there's always good jujitsu. Like I like I, I still actively compete. My old ass is out there in Masters Four now, doing a Master Four. That's a that's a forty five to fifty year old group for everybody. Wow. I don't know if you guys watch. 
Hey, I mean, more power to you, man. Because I, I, I just do jujitsu because it's fun now. <laughs> like I don't yeah, even. Dude, I, I'll, I'll compete like like three to five times a year, sometimes wow. six. You know, like I, you know, do like just a bunch of IBJ Jeff events because I know I got guys. I you know, gi and no gi, I'll do those, and uh, you know, so I also compete. I coach, and I mean, and I travel all over the place too. So like you know, I'll, I'll teach a seminar in friendship. I was just talking to my buddies in Dallas about doing a seminar there, but yeah, I love it, man. Competing. Playing music and doing shows—that's you know jujitsu. That's it. That's how's my boy the Birdman doing? Training under you over there in sixth John is a dude. I love that guy. He is <laughs> he is so awesome, man. He is a, a great. Like when he told me, he's like, "Oh, I know Eddie." I'm like, "That's awesome." He's just a great dude. <laughs> his whole family, his his kids, you know, they're yeah. they're you know they they actually um they're, they're they're taking a little pause, but but uh uh Moxie and his daughters are on our, our the competition team. They've been training. Oh us. wow, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, they're they're doing well. So yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, great family. They're awesome and love training with him. You know, he's a he's a good dude. So yeah, yeah. If and, I get he, down there before the end of the year, I got to get to you, try to get to your gym instead of the other place that we go to. Yeah, dude, try to, please, please. I'll be honored. Any updates on is it's Maya Hill, right? Uh, any updates on her? My, is she? Yeah, my actually great. That's a great point. So Maya, man, t- you know, talk about in MMA, it's it sucks, especially coming up with amateur MMA. So look, the rules in Florida are, I think it's even national. You have to have five fights as an amateur before you go pro. You know, so and my, it was funny. I was just talking to Maya the night. She was like, if everything had gone on to the calendar like that she's supposed to she would be fighting her first pro fight coming up you know because she would have fights but she had three fights in a row where where you know either the person no showed the person was like you know got had gotten injured or something like that last minute and this last fight she, she had it was a contracted at 115 115 pounds the girl told the the promoter by like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make 115. So so she's like, Milo's like, listen, we'll do it at 120. We'll do a catch weight at 120. The girl's even complaining like, oh, I don't know that. She's like, I'll go up to 125. The girl was cutting weight, weighed in 20 pounds over the 120 limit. And she said, I cut weight to make it to here. And the doctor said, I can't. I had to go to the hospital, yada, yada. So they're like, yo, you had to be at least 160 pounds. The girl was 5'3", by the way, too. Her opponent was 5'3". And I'm like, 5'3", walking around. What's like, what are you, the hell are you doing? You know? so, so poor Milo, she, she got bumped out of that fight. It was kind of disappointing. But she just signed on. Milo's doing a, a fight coming up October 8th. This one's going to be a no-brainer uh, because Mila, who is fighting at 115, said she'll. It's like it's the 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 weight is at 130 pounds, and she's taking a 130 pound fight with another girl who's kind of a similar thing for this other girl who's a little bit taller, and she's like um, she couldn't find fights, so we found the fight for her. She, so October 8th, um, I'll I'll post it. I think it's a. Y L L C or something like that. It's in Tampa. So she's going to be out there fighting her, her next, uh, her fight out there. So, you know, she's been training for that one, getting ready for that. She's happy, anxious and, you know, looking for it, but yeah, she's a beast, man. Mila Hill, check out like, you know, like, like I, I, I talk, talk to you guys about trying to get her on the show. She has a great family, her family history, you know, for everybody that, you know, she comes from, from, you know, uh, you know, an NBA hall of famer and a, and a phenomenal mom, you know, so, you know, uh, you know, so she's a, she's just an athlete, you know, she's a beast and she's uh like the, she like, you know, it's, it's, 
objectively speaking, when you see people who have like, you know, like, oh, you know, they're friends or whatever like that, everybody talks them up. But she's got like the right attitude. She's got the work ethic to make it work well. And she's just an athlete. She's just one of those people who are is just a, like the hardest worker in the room, you know. So I got to give her a lot of credit for her. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to October 8th. I'll, you know, post out the information and, and, you know, tweet it out and put it on my Instagram. So uh, do that. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing her fight. Awesome. For fans looking for stuff this weekend, Friday, I'm heading out to Cage Warrior San Diego. That'll be on Fight Pass. Check that out this Friday night uh, from, uh, I believe, the best location for fight sports uh, in the United States uh, on the, in the Bay in uh, San Diego. Uh, and Saturday, that's, we got... You said that's Friday, Matt? Friday night is Cage Warriors, yes. All right. I'll, I'll probably watch that because Bellator's on during the day. Yep, and then uh, and then we got great news that Saturday night, uh, Ryzen is back on Fight TV. They're doing a standalone pay per view, fifteen dollars, seven fight card. Uh, doesn't look like any intermissions. Uh, uh, Kyo- Kyoji Horiguchi main event. Talk about a small dude who is uh, worth the price of admission every single time. So uh, there's that. There's also a way to watch Mayweather uh, Oscura fight. It's kind of a separate pay per view. Fly out of Mayweather. Did you, ever, uh, yeah. did you see that poster where they spelled his name wrong? Yeah, I did. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> uh, so that that's that's what I'll be uh, attending, watching, and those are the fights that I would keep an eye on. You also mentioned and, and uh, an Peter early Quilly. Bellator, yeah, P- Peter Quilly and Benson Henderson, uh, daytime Bellator for uh, us East Coasters. I I think it's a what does that make it morning for you? Uh, I think it's about. <laughs> I think the main card starts like ten a.m. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I'll probably be at work uh, until Cage Warriors, but. Um, I guess that kind of wraps us up. Fans can check out the show at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow me, Matthew Hawkins, at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. Check out Ed at Carbizol on Twitter, Carbeerzol on Instagram, Old Head Carb on Twitch. Ray, anything you want to throw out before we sign off here? Uh, you, you, ready, you ready to, get to, to hopefully pick up a win in fantasy football this week? Oh, Jesus, dude, don't even get me started. Like, that's the worst thing when I'm like, oh, I'm going to win this game. And it's like, I mean, Jalen Hurts and, and, and Stefan Diggs, like, all right, listen, I'm up by like 50 points. I think I'll be all right. And then the person who played me, like Jalen Hurts and, and, and Stefan Diggs, and I'm like, you know what? That's Last year I was like 10-1. and one. I'm 0-2 to start the season. So this is my comeback. I'm going to start doing Sean. But, um, yeah, you can follow me on, on Twitter or Instagram at um, – at Base B A S S G J J R A Y Base G J J Ray. Um, check me out there. Uh, Six levels is is the gym. You can follow them on Instagram um, and Twitter as well too. And then uh, yeah, we got I got you know some upcoming tournaments with the comp team. I don't know if I'll get another tournament in uh, the rest of the year because of uh, work. I got a bunch of tours going out, so I'll be up in the uh, I think the Philadelphia area again. I spend a lot of time up there. So uh, I got to try to get to New York city. Actually, I'll be up in New York city before the end of the year. I got to catch a Knicks game. Um, you know, so I got to get up there and do that, but, uh, you know, hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) So, um, awesome. But that's pretty much about it, man. It's, I mean, follow my adventures of music and jujitsu and, and that's it. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being back on the show. No, great chat. Uh, thanks for your time. Have a good night, everyone. Take it easy,